This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to to non-hunters that it's it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it, Brittany? My name. My name. Is <laughs> my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. <laughs> Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. I promised you after the first podcast with Dave Gittleson, who's the rancher out of Colorado, who had the first documented wolf kill on his property, that we would have him back specifically as it got closer to calving season. Well, it's calving season now, and Dave reached out and said, hey, let's have a conversation. So this is the follow-on conversation from that first one. The first podcast was podcast 191. You may want to listen to 191 first, and then listen to this one, because there's a lot of information from that first one that carries over into this one. Another fascinating conversation a really hard-hitting one because I ask him some, some very delicate questions that may actually have suggested that I don't believe Dave or that I'm challenging his sort of validation that he believes wolves killed his calves. But I think it lent itself to a much stronger conversation between Dave and I. Enjoy this share it conversation with a very, very sincere individual. So we promised everyone, and I don't think I told you about some of the feedback that I got on the first podcast. We can talk about that. <clears throat> we can talk about that. But I promised that we would have you back on. Uh, Dave Gittleson, um, it is May, late May. We promised you'd come back on because it's now carving season. Dave Gittleson, welcome back to the Blood Origins podcast. Well, it's good to be back. For those of you that did not hear the uh, the first podcast with Dave Gittleson, um, go back. I don't know the exact show number right now, but I can, as uh, as Dave is introducing himself, I'll find it. Dave, will you introduce yourself to everyone and where you live and what you do? So um, my name is Dave Gittleson. Uh, we have a ranch in North Park, Colorado. Um up where Walden, Colorado, North Park, up by the Wyoming border, uh, north, northeast, that area. And what do you do on your on the ranch? <laughs> now all I do is wait for wolves to show up. 
but your what is what is the we role? have Angus cattle we have registered Angus cattle we break uh we have 100 180 mother cows about 50 yearling heifers and 20 bulls that we sell um well we sell the bulls the heifers we raise as replacement heifers or we sell some of them um we raise some Tarente cattle which is a breed that probably nobody listened to this knows what they are so they're pretty rare so um, what is the total head of cattle on the on the place oh probably total is 220 to 250 would be total okay 220 to 250 so this is the first piece of pushback that we received on the podcast i know i read some of that okay so we're going to go through this all right so how many acres is the ranch Eleven thousand. Okay, so someone said that is a super low density of cattle yeah. on 11,000 acres. So they mentioned their friend in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Well, Tennessee is cows per acre. It is way better growing ground than what we have. We are high desert and cold. So, And an altitude, right? You've got your, your high altitude. We're over 8,000 feet. Okay. Um, so the... The lower 900 acres, which is like the irrigated land, that keeps the cows going probably, I would say, eight months out of the year on those 900 acres of irrigated land. Everything else, it dries up. I mean, they we graze them on it, it dries up. When we showed up to that ranch, so we, I know you said we owned it, we lease it. It is okay. a, so um, we can't afford land in Colorado. Sure, <laughs> like, sure, of course. Like most people. Um, when we first showed up, we had 300 cows, um, uh, 280 mother cows. We cut down for what they thought the place could hold. And then we had to cut down again because it couldn't hold. Um, you know, we're really conscious about overgrazing. And, and when you say it can't hold that amount of cattle, are you talking about the condition we, or the habitat itself? The, the, habitat itself can't handle it it's just it would we would overgraze it there would be uh we would end up just ruining the ground it would end up coming back as weeds and the other thing is the cows i mean the cows we like our cows to come in in good condition we don't want them coming in with their ribs sticking out sure sure Um, absolutely absolutely so the podcast we we go ahead so oh yeah i was just gonna say so yeah i mean it's eleven thousand acres you know, come by in August if you don't think it, it can hold it. It's just, it is what it is. I agree with you. It's, you know, if we lived on the East Coast or somewhere like that where they got a lot of rain, that'd be great. We'd be able to hold 11,000 cows, but we can't. So. Mm-hmm. And as you said, it's it's mainly constricted to the 900 acres that are in the bottom uh, yeah. that are arable, arable pasture type systems. And only three months of the year, they're really going up. And I assume it's in the summer, if I remember our conversation correctly. Yeah. In the summer, you push them up into the high, higher areas to graze. Yes, yeah, so they'll, they'll go up in July, and then they'll come back down in, uh, well, roughly August, September, October, somewhere in there. Usually we let them – the way we bring them down is pretty easy. We just open the gate. they they start running out of food. They come down to the hay meadows after we've got the hay out of them. Um, we do have to go up and gather some, but really the cows know when there's there's not good food up there and they come down. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so your podcast dropped. Uh, it was podcast 191, and we titled it The First Wolf Kill in Colorado. And uh, the land that you lease um, it was the first documented wolf kill in the state of Colorado. Now, is that being proven that that was an official wolf kill? I know oh, yeah. we're like two months now, three months out. Yeah. So the first three were documented, proven wolf kills. Um, and there's, By I mean, there's, CPW biologists. Yes. So who comes out to, to verify and document that this is actually a wolf kill? So there it is CPW. There's only, oh man, two or three guys in the area. They're, they come out, they check everything. And I mean, on those, it was like, there's no denying it. There's tracks everywhere. Okay. Um, the one's got a GPS collar. 
the thing with the GPS collar hitting every four hours is usually like on the ones that were confirmed wolves killed them. The collar, the closest it hits like five miles away, those things cover so much ground that mm -hmm. if it doesn't hit the exact time, mm -hmm. but I mean, there was just no, it's just obvious. I mean, there's, there's no, no way around it. Now we talked about that in the first podcast and one of the one of the things that we talked about is potentially increasing the frequency of the pings off of those collars, but you can't, right? Because it's on the wolf already. You can't change that. I did say you can't. Um, I I still don't know for sure. I'm not. I don't know enough about those collars, but I don't think I, you can. I don't think you can communicate with the collar to change frequency. You have that set once that collar goes on that wolf. Yeah. And I, somebody had come up with the idea and I'd heard that it was an option. I, but I, like I said, I still don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't deal with callers, <laughs> GPS mm -hmm. callers. So, mm -hmm. um, that was, yeah, that was one of the things, um, that's, that's, it would be nice if that thing would hit more frequently so we could know when the wolf was in the area, but, uh, they cover, those things cover so much ground. I mean, it's, there's times that they're 25 miles away, 20 miles away. They, they make it in a day. Mm -hmm. Um, they're, they have, so from, go ahead. Sorry. Didn't mean to cut you off. So earlier in the year, they had about a 350 square mile range that they were covering. Now it's up to like 500, I think is what they've spread out to. The one pack, uh, the pack that's next to the ranch. One pack. And it, the one that's got the collar on. Yeah. He's in the pack, but yeah, that that's what they've got off of the collar. That is he's, he's covering a lot mm -hmm. of ground. Mm -hmm. So those confirmed wolf kills, you are, um, you are allowed to be compensated for those wolf kills. Yes. Have you, and, and has the process moved forward? Have you gotten compensated for those wolf kills? So the very first one in December, we were paid for. Uh, we still haven't been paid for the other two. Um, they and I, they have a max price on what they pay for it. Sure. Um, and so if they want to explain that to the people that we have to buy the cow from to replace her, that would be great. But that's, you know, they say five thousand dollars to buy, and we showed them sale data and everything for, you know, similar animals. Uh, they just, they're not, they want to pay a certain amount and they don't want to pay more, but it's, uh, proposition 114 was written up that they pay for the loss, uh, and it doesn't have a set number and they're, they don't want to pay that amount. Um, mm -hmm. we, like I said, it's not like we just threw a number out of a hat. We gave them several sale, you know, cow sales and that for registered Angus cows and, uh, 6500 is what one of them was worth uh and they don't want to pay that and they uh to put it in perspective there was a cow can they, in the can they pay different prices or is it a set price i don't i mean they it's so with the proposition 114 it's so new it's uh that's kind of a question for them but the way it used to be written was a max of 5000 um mm -hmm. If you go to buy, like, say you go to buy a trained stock dog, like the one that was killed, the average at a sale for those is $9,000. Um, you know, a dog, a good dog replaces one or two ranch hands and doesn't mm -hmm. complain. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, a good horse can cost $20,000. Um, there was a cow in North Park. The rancher's gone now. He passed away, but... There was a cow in North Park in the area that the wolves are in that was a four hundred thousand dollar cow, um, and that's I don't you know was she worth that I don't know but that's what they paid for. So why they pay? Why would someone pay four hundred thousand dollars for a cow? You can flush them. Okay, what does that mean? You you harvest the eggs and put them in other cows. Oh. Um. So I I wouldn't. I can tell you that much, but mm -hmm. I'm just saying, you know, are you going to argue with him that that's not the value of the cow? That's what he paid for it. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. it now he's passed away and she's not there, but we, we weren't asking 400,000, but I, yeah, uh, sure. it's, if, 
if they don't like the value of the animals and figure out how to keep the wolves out, you know? Um, so has the, um, so a couple of things have happened since we podcasted. Number one, the wolf has been re- returned to the endangered species list. Yes. So in the state of Colorado, it is now federally protected again. Um, it's what does that mean for state, you? It's more state protected though. Cause it's, uh, but the federal protections give you more, as I understand. So federal protections would help us. We've kind of gone all over this one, you know, talking to people and stuff. So usually uh, when you have federal protection and in every other state, the deal has been the federal government has a sort of a rule that if they kill two livestock animals in 12 months, they kind of consider it like a habitual deal and they they kill the wolf um i know people don't like killing wolves but what that does is we had six juveniles and one adult that was problematic if they'd have killed that adult those juveniles would have never learned that what it does is uh we're the first ones that don't have that so that's a 10j rule it's a uh colorado currently doesn't have the 10j rule they're trying to get it passed to be able to reintroduce them if they can pass that we would be able to eliminate well now at this point the whole pack is a problem Mm -hmm. Um, so when we left you the last time you were you were you had just come out of a number of of uh wolf incidents on your ranch and you said look i'm you know it is what it is right now but i'm more worried about calving season yeah and at the time, you guys were in your cows because they were penned up pretty good because it was winter when we recorded. Yep. Uh, you were in your cows, you know, potentially every night. Yeah, we yeah, we were out there. Every, we've been out there every night since then. So what's, yeah, so give me the situation on the ground right now on what, what's happening with you. So uh, I guess I better, I'll touch base on the, the being out in the cows real quick so Mm -hmm. there's uh there's two pro wolf organizations that are help well one that's kind of the front line helping us um it's uh working circle and then uh they're being funded by another one um so they are helping they're trying to help the wolves at this point have now killed several animals with people being in the cows so the volunteer the other thing we run into is, and it's not the fault of the organizations, but they're some of the people that are helping them and they are, they've started paying them, uh, show up for one night, you know, schedule four nights, show up for one night and then don't show up. So. And did you call them? Did you call the organization and say, Hey, your, your people oh, didn't show yeah, up last night. And there's, they, I mean, they just, they can't force them to be there. So of course, um, they're trying, you know, they're trying to get people in there, but it's, uh, the run, the help's getting thinner and thinner. It's just, uh, we're out there most nights and it's. So the working circle people reached out to you and they said, look, we know that you've got wolves. We know that they, you know, you're interacting with wolves. We want to help yeah. with the, not the hazing, but Hey, how do we keep the, the peace essentially? Yeah. So they, yeah, they volunteered cause they thought, you know, they thought that it shouldn't be on the ranchers to be out there every night. Um, a lot of people assume that like <laughs> a rancher's time is free, which is kind of annoying. Cause you know, unless you think your own time is free, then, then why is ours? Mm-hmm. Um, there's times. So I work in steamboat. I was there for cavity. You know, we have half of our calves in two weeks. There's a, a spurt of it. So I was there for the two weeks and then I'm there every weekend. Um, there was a time where my dad, there's a lot of times where my dad's doing all of it himself. He's, he's staying out in the cows all night. He's feeding, he's weighing, he's tagging. And I can tell you when it's the two of us, it's really hard. And it's, you don't get to a good, clear mental state when you're sleeping four hours a night. Hmm. Um, and it's just, like I said, it's not working. Uh, one night my dad was out there and the wolves came in and they, he heard a cow bellering. So he drove his truck over there, honking his horn, driving a big diesel truck. Uh, the wolves didn't leave until he got them in the headlights. 
uh, they're they're really losing. They figured out that people can't hurt them. Mm-hmm. Um, the cow was holding them off of her calf. We later found a calf that was uh, it had a uh, bite marks or big abscesses on its side. So wolves leave a very distinct. Um, I don't know what to call it, but their bite is very distinct in a lot of ways. So they they don't always puncture the hide, but what they do is they bruise the muscle really deep. And then that can swell up and later turn into an abscess and eventually it can kill the animal. So we have a calf right now. He, he can't use one of his hind legs and he's got a huge uh, abscess on one of his on his hip and then one on his neck. Could that have occurred by anything other than wolves? No. No. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I can't think of any way. We've been doing this for 40 years. I've never seen anything like that. Um, The problem we are running into right now is CPW has, they rely on that distinct bite mark. Uh, did you read the articles I sent you? Yeah, I'm about to get to them in my brain. Okay. <laughs> well, actually, I would like to hear your thoughts on that before I go on. So let me ask this question. The CPW biologists that are now in charge of determining whether or not a wolf kill, a wolf killed or caused the death of a calf or a cow, what were the biologists doing before the wolves were on the landscape these guys specifically these are the were same they depredation guys. biologists for mountain lions no well they're they, yeah i mean they handle everything uh the, not, are they depredation they are the depredation biologists for the, the depredation state. they're the they, i mean like i said they do everything that cpw does in the area they they handle depredation they handle keeping track of elk numbers all I mean, it's a, okay. So they're the biologists of the region. Yes. And depredation just happens to be one of the things that they would have to do as yes. in terms of their, their toolkit, their job resume kind of thing. Yes. Okay. So the, the articles you sent me, they were both written in the steamboatradio.com. If everybody wants to go look at them, steamboatradio.com. The first one, the first article. Um, says the title is at least two more calves killed by wolves on the Gittleson Ranch. Uh, the other article said third calf dies on Jackson County Ranch. CPW does necropsy. And what I've got from the articles is that both of them is that there is no, none of those calves were found to be depredated by wolves. So not only does it say found not to be depredated by wolves it says no evidence correct it says that um the officer foster's ranch so the foster's ranch one performing a necropsy said he presumed that the calves could have died naturally and were then eaten by some sort of predator or even birds um where's the other one hold on two seconds and then the other one is that, again, in the article, it says CPW is not aware of any recent suspected or confirmed depredations at the ranch, and they're talking about your ranch. Um, There have been two incidences at the ranch over the past month, and we're within that month since we're talking, correct? Yes. Um, Over the past where calves died, but district wildlife officers report there was no evidence, i.e. bite marks, to be able to confirm wolves were the cause. Yeah. So I'm pretty heated about that one. Uh, so were they bite marks? Because why would no, they lie if they weren't? In- there was wolf tracks and GPS data saying the wolf was in the area. And not only in the area, they pinned him in our calving pasture. They also, the wolf tracks were within about a hundred feet of where the incidents has happened. Now you can't find them out on the grass. You have to find them in sand. So I could understand if they said not enough evidence or didn't think it was, but to say no evidence is a flat out lie. Uh, 
I what also, do you think happened if there's no evidence of bite marks their mothers on these cars? So one of them got one of ours it, on our ranch. One of ours was stepped on outside the fence, and then one of ours, when a, when a calf is less than three days old, if they run full bore, they'll tear their lungs up. So one of them ended up dying twelve days later, and she had a hole in her lung, and a blood clot about the size of a small wiener dog in her chest. So she'd been mm. bleeding the whole time in her chest. Mm. What they told me is if a wolf had chased her, it would have killed her. My problem that I'm having is they know a little bit about wolves and nothing about cows because <laughs> a mother cow will protect her calf to death. Uh, and it, to me, I don't care if the wolf ate it or not. If they ran it to death, they killed it. Mm. And the same no, it's thing an interesting dilemma. It's, it, so you're saying, let me, let, let me, I'm going to be very succinct in what I say. You tell me if you agree or not. You would agree with CPW biologists that there was no bite marks. Yes. On the calves indicating a wolf physically grabbed the calf and killed it. Yes, on our calves. On your calves. Sorry, I say calves, you say calves. Yeah. Just a little bit of South African humor. That's <laughs> all right. Um, you would also, but you add an interesting element in here in that there are other ways that a wolf can kill a calf. Yes. One by exhaustion, like you just described, your 12-day-old cow calf. The other by the mother protecting the calf from the wolves and accidentally stepping on the calf. And you said that was one of them, right? Yeah, that was one of them. And the one that the 12 day old one, it happened within 12 hours of its birth. I gave it, I mean, we, I was trying, to, I was thinking not wolves at the time. I mean, I was trying to treat it for whatever I possibly could to try to save this calf. I mean, I took it to the vet. Had it listened to, I was giving it antibiotics, anti-inflammatory. Uh, I was treating it for enteral toxemia, scours. Uh, I took it into a warm area. I was giving it an IV. It couldn't eat on its own. I had to tube it uh, because it was breathing so hard. It couldn't actually nurse and eat. Um, did everything I could to keep that calf alive. And then when it finally died, I cut it open. Big hole in the lungs. Took pictures of everything. Showed it to CPW, called him out. The, when we found the, so then, I guess I'll just give you the full story. Yeah, yeah. When I, yeah, when I was at, so we had, that one happened, and it, we found, we knew she was out there the one night, the night of the 16th of April, or, yeah. So the night, we knew she was out there that night, had a new calf. So I went out there at 10 o'clock at night. I put fox lights out. There are just a light that blinks really bright periodically to sort of, it's supposed to scare off wolves. I put them out there at 10 o'clock at night. We went out the next morning. The calf was exhausted. I mean, it, we thought the cow maybe walked it across the pasture through, through the weather. So we just put it in the tractors, let it rest, uh, kept it warm. Every time we put it out, the calf just wouldn't get up, uh, and it had gotten up and eaten the night before, so it was really weird that it wouldn't get up. So we treated it for all kind, you know, broad spectrum of everything, just to try to make sure we we covered it. Because something like enterotoxemia, it's an infection in their gut. It kills them in like 24 hours. So mm -hmm. you don't get it treated, they're gone. So we treat, you know, it's rare for a calf that young to get it, but we, we treated it everything we could uh like i said did everything i could keep it alive it dies 12 days later now the the night of the 20th there was a calf out cow and calf outside the fence there was actually two cows two calves one calf was dead uh outside the fence um we got them in because the news reporters were there and we were just trying to get things in and get everything so i was in a big hurry um I go back later, like the 22nd, I think, 
and I'm picking up the Fox lights and I see wolf tracks right in the area of where both those incidences happened. So I call CPW out, have them look at the wolf tracks, confirm that there was actually two different ages of wolf tracks. And here's where the GPS data wasn't, they said the wolf was in the area. Did something happen this day? It was, I said, look on these two days and tell me if the wolf was here. And the wolf was in the pasture on those two days. Uh, we've been around coyotes, mountain lions, bears. The only, I've never seen a calf run to death. I've heard of it happening because somebody did it with a four-wheeler on another ranch. We are, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like a calf breaks into a run and all of a sudden its lungs blow up. It's, mm-hmm. it, it has to be pushed hard to make it happen. Mm-hmm. So that was that calf. You said the other calf was stepped on. Yes. So like was stepped through the lungs or stepped on the leg. How does that how does that kill a calf? It can it breaks the lungs and punctures okay. breaks the ribs and punctures the lung. Obviously uh, a very, very young calf. Brand new. Hadn't even been licked off by its mother yet. Brand new calf. Uh interesting. So I can see CPW stance on not paying for it because we weren't there. Does a cow typically step on a calf? Let me ask this. How often does that happen? Just generally? It's not not very common, but one thing I can tell you is cows that do it, do it frequently. Oh, okay. Okay. So these were both eight-year-old cows. This is their seventh calf. Um, Neither of them had, well, the one that stepped on it had never stepped on a calf before. No, neither one of them have had calving issues prior to that i mean cows are pretty predictable um after their first couple years so they're really consistent on their mothering traits so there we've had cows that did that but they'll do it as a two or three year old and then we just get rid of them because it's it becomes Mm -hmm. a a Mm -hmm. uh this cow had never stepped on a calf before um not to say it's not possible that she would do it without wolves i just um, I guess now I'll kind of dip into the other ranch. I know a lot less about what happened there, but what I can tell you is those calves were ripped open from the flank. Now the wolf's not going to, if the wolf bites the flank and leaves a mark or a bruise and then opens that up and rips into it, there's not, you lost your distinctive bite mark. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is I don't think it's a coincidence that six calves died. And the wolf was there every single time. Was and, the wolf pinged in this place too? Yes. And it's a long ways away from our place. Um, Interesting. At the time of the incident, he was pinged there. So it, six calves died. He was pinged there every single time. Not only do they think it's a coincidence, they're saying no evidence. So that's... But the evidence, as we've just discussed, the evidence that they're looking for is the bite mark. Yeah. So how did they, let me ask this then, the evidence that confirmed a wolf kill on your cows, was that a bite mark? It was. Okay. When you're talking uh, 800 to 1400 pound cow, there's a lot more room to leave a bite mark and not eat it. (laughs) So is that when, and I don't know anything about this. So is that the, that is the, that is it. There's no other evidence that will say this was a wolf kill except the bite mark. No. Uh, we've talked to USDA on this. Um, we're, we would like to get them to come in and start taking care of it because uh, we talked to a USDA officer. He said there's no way to say an exact thing, but he said every single one of those he would have written down as a probable wolf kill. Hmm. He's done it for 30 years, hmm. not months. <laughs> No, there certainly has to be some sort of leeway. And look, before we go down this rabbit hole, I think you were about to say you understand that CPW couldn't pay you for those cows. I do. I mean, I I honestly think they should. Because um, what, what it's going to come down to is we live on the landscape with the wolves. Um, and we've, t- I mean, it's been nuts out at the ranch. We've had we had a senator's assistant come out. We've had state representatives come out. We've talked to a lot of people about this. Um, and some guy thing, on the internet told me, told us that uh, you shouldn't even be out there. You shouldn't be ranching, Dave. Oh, that's fine. 
if he wants to do it, go for it. Uh, but so they're, uh, they're the people that have come in. They all say, well, you just didn't shoot them cause it's illegal. Well, I can tell you on 11,000 acres at the end of a County road, it's not hard to make something disappear. It's that's not why we didn't shoot them. Uh, yeah, we but did. you're not the kind of based on the first podcast and this podcast. You're not the shoot, shovel, and shut up kind of person. Yeah, no, I don't. I have no intention of doing that. Um, I'm not speaking for everybody, though. <laughs> you know, those wolves go cover a lot of ground. The other thing they do is they go to a ranch that is half in Wyoming, and wolves are a pretty magical animal. When they cross into Wyoming, they're not endangered anymore. So. I think, and the other thing that annoys me is I see CPW right now. They don't know where the den is. So they're flying a plane trying to find the den. So instead of spending all that money trying to figure out where the wolves are, they should probably spend it on making sure nobody wants to kill them. Because uh, that's what's going to happen. I mean, hmm. those wolves are as good as dead right now. They've pissed a lot of people off. There's a lot of depredations at this point. And the way it's being handled is. But is there a lot of depredations? There was, you know, let's talk. There's six cops. Is that a lot? You've got six dead, one injured calf, and the thing is, it can't walk right now. It's it went from what we could sell as a thirty-five hundred dollar bull to we'll be lucky if we get five hundred for him as a steer because he's crippled. Hmm. And I guarantee they're going to try to pay us for thirty dollars of anti-inflammatories that we gave him. So. There's a cow and a calf at one neighbor. There's three calves at another neighbor. We have three dead calves and one injured and then three dead cows. And it's starting to get to like one a week or more. Mm -hmm. It's accelerating. So it's getting, I, I mean, I guarantee it. They've been hunting a lot of antelope in the wintertime. It's probably getting hard to catch antelope. Mm -hmm. Hope really fast mm -hmm. when they're not in the snow. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I get what the wolf, I mean, there's no reason for wolves to think that it's wrong. It's, mm -hmm. it's just food, you know? Mm -hmm. um, it's, they're so against shooting them that they're going to make it so that the whole pack gets killed. Um, it, it's kind of funny, actually. <laughs> It'll make you feel bad for the wolves because they, it, you've seen when wolves get too crowded and there's too many wolves in one area, they kill each other over territorial disputes. So to think that shooting a wolf. Well, they'll just disperse. You would think they would just disperse out of there. They've got too Packs come together at a territorial. Yeah, yeah I mean, but look, the the pack that's established now should, if it gets too big, it you know males and females will disperse and create yeah, their own I'm territory getting, somewhere I'm else. At, I'm getting at the ones in Wyoming right now, or mm -hmm. anywhere. Uh, when wolves get too tight in an area and they have, and they they have a fight over a territorial area, uh, they kill each other. Um, not all, you know, they don't kill all of them, but that's, that's how they, so that's something that they would understand. You cross this line, you die. Mm -hmm. Stop crossing the line. Mm -hmm. What they don't understand is when you have politics involved. <laughs> so it's, they fled Wyoming, um, either leaving persecution of death from either other wolf packs or people mm -hmm. walked into Colorado where they walked right into the trap of greedy politicians. Um, we at this point in this state have a governor that is involved in, or his husband is an animal rights activist. Now animal rights activists don't make any money on a wolf on wolves living away from people or wolves living in the wilderness. They make money on wolf conflict. Mm -hmm. so they need conflict to make that money so basically these wolves walked into an area where we're now being set up the way we 
treated the wolves from start till now, essentially training them into conflict. I mean, it's, it's absurd that you at one point couldn't even chase them. <laughs> like, and now we could chase them, but it's like we have limited tools and it's, if of the eight, if we'd have killed the one that has been the one that's got the collar on, if we'd have killed him on the second kill, those other juveniles could have potentially never learned to hunt cows or come around houses and kill dogs and all this, all the things that they're doing right now that could have been prevented. There's but been you don't a, know that, we don't know that specifically, right? We don't, we don't know, know that, that the assumption, that's an assumption. That is right? an assumption. Yep. But what I do know is that we didn't, and now they're a problem, and they're all a problem. Well, they're a problem because they they are accelerating their engagement, and take and depredation of cattle in this area, and dogs. Mm. How many dogs have been taken? Two. Okay. Uh, but as you said on, on podcast number one, and you've just said it again here. You're not a shoot, shovel, and shut up kind of guy. You're a I need help kind of guy. Yeah. Um, still not a shoot, shovel, and shut up kind of guy, but the help seems to be fading. <laughs> I mean, we're just, we're not getting it. It's, and to me, and I know this isn't what they mean to say, and it's not a nice thing to say, but when somebody says they're going to come there for four nights because they're a pro wolf and they want to keep the wolves out of trouble and they leave after one night and don't come back and leave, stick us with the bill. To me, that's fuck it. It isn't worth it. Shoot them. You know, that's interesting. No, no, I get it, man. Like if these guys, these, the pro wolf organizations, they really want to help step up. Yeah. Um, and same with, I mean, it's, you know, CPW, if they don't want to pay for them, they could do something too. You know, right now we're getting help from USDA and the pro wolf organizations. Like I said, they're trying, but there's, mm -hmm. you can, there's only so much you can do with people, you know, employees. <laughs> it's, it's, it is what it is. Right. Um, so it, the flattery doesn't work anymore. They come through it. Box lights don't work anymore. People sitting in the cows doesn't work anymore. So now we've had to get more strict about, or not strict, but more selective about who comes out and watches the cows because you have to be able to shoot a gun. Uh, you have to be able to shoot a gun in the air or, you know, to scare them off. A running vehicle doesn't scare them anymore. Um, so how long is it before they're not afraid of a gun? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, man, I, uh, I know we wanted to have you back on. Because we knew this was coming, right? You knew that was coming, you know, the carving season was coming and it was just going to get worse and worse and worse. Yeah. So um, for a while there, I thought I wasn't going to have anything to contribute on this and we just shoot the shit. But now, now I could probably talk about it for three or four hours. It's, yeah. It's just, uh, it's. Well, I think to, to the point that, that, that I was trying to make is that I think that you recognize that, I think that there, there needs to be recognition that. As you said, cows, specifically calves, can die just through harassment, per, yeah. uh, you know, from a wolf. And it doesn't necessarily have to have the bite marks to evidence that. And yeah. You've got, you know, different weighted lines of evidence to show, like you said, the, the, the mother cow has never stepped on a calf before. You know, if they do, they typically are serial offenders. Um, not that it couldn't have happened. Yes, it could have, which is the, the dilemma that we live in, in that, yeah. yes, you understand that CPW can't, can't pay for you, can't pay for that because it's not sort of 100% proof that, yes, it was that wolf. Um, I mean, they can. There's, there's, a, there's more evidence than there isn't. Uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can understand where they – I mean – I don't know. The more I think about it, and especially talking to somebody that's handled depredations for 30 years, is if they want to keep them and they want to protect them, they need, Help to, us out. They need to cover their damages. I mean, that's yeah. it. And whether you 
so one thing that they tell us when we first got into this is uh, just because a wolf is eaten on a dead on a carcass, it doesn't mean the wolf killed it. So a follow-up article to the neighbor's calves is they put up game cameras. And then they reported pictures of a coyote and a bear. It said, must have been one of them. Was, they came in a week later. Like, yeah, they eat dead animals. It's it's well known. Doesn't mm-hmm. be, those game cameras aren't going to tell you anything about what killed those calves. It's mm-hmm. and they know that you know. And when it comes to if it was a wolf that came in and ate it, they would say, "Well, it doesn't mean it killed it." Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it's getting absurd up there. I don't know what to tell you other than, and I'm not. Please don't misinterpret me. If you're in Colorado, I'm not saying go find your local CPW and kick them in the shin or something. You know, I guarantee the majority, if not all of them, join that profession because they care about wildlife, they care about animals, and they're trying to do the best they can with the tools they're given. What I don't understand is why we can't call in somebody that knows more than six months experience of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bring uh, in someone to teach them, train them. That has the experience, like you said. We've brought that up. You know, the Cattlemen's Association up up there has brought that up. We're trying to make that happen. Uh, CPW is very resistant to it right now. And they take it as an insult, like we don't think they know what they're doing. And to me, I don't know why that's an insult. You, there's no, you don't have enough experience to know what you're doing. You need mm-hmm. help from somebody that has, you know, Colorado is not the first one to have wolves. Mm-hmm. Uh we're not the leading experts on wolves. Call somebody in. It's not, you know, it's, it happens everywhere and it's, you don't have to know everything. You just have to know how to learn. Yep. hundred percent. Well, Dave, keep your chin up. Um, let us know how we can help you. Obviously this is, uh, you know, one way that we can. And, um, yeah, man, uh, you know, on, I don't know how someone can't feel sorry, right? Feel sorry for you in the situation that you're in. And, uh, but again, it's a situation that, you know, you love the land, you love the cows. You now have a wolf on the landscape that you have to deal with. Um, well, before you go, one thing I wanted to mention, uh, that I kept wanting to is, uh, well, one of the other things of the comments that you, you were addressing earlier, there was one comment of a guy that said, uh, I sounded insincere about like, I'm okay with wolves being there, but not, you know, and I was kind of, I, so I let me listening to the podcast. I would say that was a very fair statement that I did. So I wanted to clarify that is we are, we have like 900 acres that we're on normally spread out to 11,000 spread out to state land. I can't remember how much that is. And then beyond that is, uh, 800 over 800,000 acres of national forest. So I don't, you know, if wolves stayed in, in the forest and with the wild animals, I am completely okay with that. Um, so that's what I meant by, I, you know, I'm okay with them being on the landscape, but not in our area. Um, another thing is, as far as the environment goes is, um, ranchers don't make, (laughs) <laughs> ranchers don't make much money and i can tell you right now if things continue the way they are uh those wolves are going to put us out of business in a year um we you know there's other things that aren't being addressed there's we have a uh three times our normal amount of late-term abortions um there's no way you could ever prove that was wolves it just and then uh mastitis in cows it's an infection in the milk um we're at like five to 10 times our normal amount and it's getting bad enough that it's ruining cows and we're gonna have to get rid of them. And we kept them in a tighter, two things that cause infection, unsanitary conditions and stress. So we kept them in a tighter area than we normally would like to. And they're under a lot of stress right now. Interesting. The environmental part is like we, when we first got there, there was no beavers on the ranch and we tried to get, we got beavers trapped and brought in, you know, the reason ranchers do it isn't for money. It's because we like being out in nature and it's the same reason you hunt. You want to see a healthy environment when you go out there. And that's, that is the only draw to ranching is, is I do care about the having a healthy ecosystem and a healthy environment, but not at this cost. Well, 
it was a healthy environment before they showed up. If and there are wolves out there that don't mess with cows, and you can, if you take out the problem ones, other ones will move in, and you can, it can work. It just you have to be willing to hunt them. And one thing that the senator's assistant told me is the first word out of her mouth on managing them is we don't want them trophy hunted. Well, you really can't trophy hunt a wolf. So it's like you can't. It's, it's just, and I think she was more surprised that we didn't like jump all over that. Like how terrible that was. It was like, then what do you want to do with them? Like it's, you know, you got to do something. You have to do something. You have to set a boundary and that's what they understand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is like in Wyoming, when they started hunting them, they, uh, their depredations went way down, like way down and they stayed down. So the ones that are going to be easier to hunt are the ones that are used to people and the ones that are probably your problem wolves. The other thing is if there's other wolves around, they learn to stay away from people. Hmm. I don't, I guess I don't well, to say other than it's just, it, it seems clear to me. It's just not, it's, mm-hmm. it's not working right now. Mm-hmm. Well, as I said, hang in there, chin up my man. I know I'm not in the position that you're in and I, I can't imagine the kinds of position that you actually face every single night. And, uh, you know, what are you going to wake up to the next day? So, um, stay in touch, my man. Stay in touch. We'll talk to you later, I guess. Yeah, we'll do it again. We may do it again. We'll keep doing it. We'll see how the summer goes. All right, boss man. All right. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery. Waypoint TV.